You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. that everybody has finally awaited all this time two year long investigation by special counsel Robert Mueller has finally come to its conclusion and as a result we finally got Mueller time Mueller time finally came and it went it had the whole internet had all the news organizations up in a tizzy everybody was off feverish and a frenzy about the findings of Robert Mueller, if there is truly a smoking gun they can use to justify putting impeachment processes in place for number 45, Donald J. Trump. But, of course, we didn't get that. And, of course, people who are in the know, who have been paying attention to this whole Mueller investigation, shouldn't have gotten their hopes up too much. So let me, let me explain why. First and foremost, the Democrats are morons for making Robert Mueller's scope as narrow as it was when he went in to the investigation. The Democrats were so butthurt over Hillary Clinton losing the election that they must they 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 convinced themselves that it had to be because of Russia. It had to be because of Russia. It had to be because of Russia. But in reality, it was because Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. I've gone through this before in past episodes on the Voice Junkie Pod. You can check the old episodes. I explained thoroughly as to why she was a terrible candidate. The polls said it throughout the year. The Democrats were butthurt because of her loss to Donald Trump. Everyone had her as the presumptive president-elect. Like, they didn't give Donald Trump any hope to beat the establishment juggernaut that is Hillary Clinton. So, when he won and surprised everybody, the entire country, the entire world, they drummed this thing up in their head where he had to have cheated. He had to have gotten some kind of help. Now, let's 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 break it down a little bit. Yeah, did he get a little bit of help from the media that gave him all the free attention in the world, billions of dollars of free media attention? Yeah, the media definitely helped in his case of winning. And also, you know, let's not forget, James Comey, the uh, former leader of the federal government, I mean, the, the FBI, Comey helped Trump by releasing his, you know, uh, whatever he released like a week or two before the election about him potentially investigating Hillary Clinton and her emails, blah, 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 blah. So Comey didn't help her matters either. Not to mention, like I said before, she was already enormously unpopular. That being said, let's get back to the Mueller time report, Mueller report. So the Mueller report came out, findings from the Mueller report uh, trickled out to all the news medias and uh, to the to the public in general, to all the to us, all of us Americans. The report came out and for us to read and go through for ourselves. Of course, there's a bunch of it that's redacted, that is kept out, that is quote unquote top secret, uh, only because um, there might be future investigations that are currently being considered for other things associated with the findings of, of Robert Mueller. But anyway, the special counsel Robert Mueller essentially, you know, to make a long story less long, 
and not get into all the minutia and all the details of the Mueller report, I will say this. Robert Mueller essentially left the duties of impeaching Trump in the hands of Congress. He didn't convict or exonerate the president. He did exactly what he was supposed to do as a neutral arbiter of this situation of Russia tampering, Russia uh, um, collusion or um, corruption. Not collusion, but corruption. He did his job. He didn't make any decisions, any referrals. He just laid out the facts and said, hey, this is what it is. He had a bunch of um, findings when it came to Russia, obviously from all the uh, indictments that he you know, sent out to his staffers, like far as, you know, um, Flynn, um, uh, Paul Manafort, all these different guys ended up being investigated because of this and also given jail time. So Mueller just laid out all the details that he found during his investigation of this matter of potential collusion or, or corruption country, Russia, and uh, Donald Trump's staff. He also went into great detail in dissecting different plot plans and different things in regards to the firing of James Comey as, as to being obstruction of justice. Comey wanted to investigate the Russia hackings and all of these different things and, and potential corruption as well before we even appointed Robert Mueller as special counsel. Robert Mueller only came into this whole scene, this whole picture, because Donald Trump just fired James Comey on a whim because James Comey was going to investigate this thing. So that brought up red flags. This was literally not too far away from when the inauguration happened. So that's what sparked all this alarm. That's what brought in Robert Mueller as a, uh, ended up being the, the special counsel. So Trump just, you know, kept on throughout his two years as president, continuously obstruct, tried to obstruct justice. He continuously, with all his might, tried to end Robert Mueller's investigation, telling staffers, telling people, hey, you need to you know, fire Robert Mueller. You need to fire the, you know, the assistant attorney general. You need to do all these different things to obstruct this investigation. This was all detailed and laid out in Robert Mueller's report. Obviously, obstruction of justice. Not to mention the stuff he got in trouble with, with, um, with, uh, with Cohen, his his former uh, lawyer, who got him also dead to rights for campaign finance laws that he's broken because of you know, using campaign finances to pay off, you know, send bribes off to, you know, mistresses that he slept with, i.e. Stormy Daniels. So, you know, Cohen had checks for that. But back to Mueller. Mueller basically is laid out and said, hey, I'm not saying he's, I'm going to convict him. I'm not going to exonerate him. But yes, there are cases of, there are findings that can be pursued. And Robert Mueller essentially said, hey, he's not above the law as president. And essentially, in many ways, said, yo, it's up to you, Congress. If you want to impeach, then by all means, it's up to you. But I'm just laying out the details of my findings of what I see. So that was really the long, you know, making a story, you know, long story less long and saying, you know, Mueller found out a lot of different things and basically handed the, the, the Democrats in the House, the keys as far as making, you know, those those uh, as pursuing impeachment. And, you know, 
it blows my mind that there are still Democrats in the House, mainly moderate neoliberal Democrats in the House, corporatists, that are contemplating whether or not they should impeach this guy. And it's just mind-boggling to me. It is absolutely absurd to contemplate following the law and doing your civic duty to impeach this clown. How many laws, how many gray areas does he need to operate in for you to punish this guy and, and, and put impeachment on the table? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It makes no sense whatsoever unless you guys are all somewhat in bed together. I mean, technically, a lot of you corporatist Democrats share the same kind of donors as the Republicans do. All right. So things are going bad, quote unquote, socially, far as what Trump policies, how he enacts, you know, hatred, bigotry towards immigrants, towards anybody that's not white, basically. Socially, we're dealing with some really foul stuff going on. And a lot of Democrats, even those neoliberals that I can't stand, corporatists, don't agree with that. Let's not be, you know, let's not, you know, get it twisted. They don't agree with that. But let's not say that they don't agree with how things are being handled on the economic side. Corporatists love bowing down, kneeling to corporations. That's what they do. They bow down to corporations. And what has Trump done since he's been in office? He's given a shit ton of tax cuts to rich people and corporations. That is something that both Republicans and corporatist Democrats can agree on into what the Democrats' problem is. That problem is Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House, being one of the biggest fundraisers in politics. Literally, that's how she got her power. She didn't get her power for being this, this outstanding visionary. Chuck Schumer in the Senate gets his money primarily from Wall Street. That's why he is in his position. Same to why, quote unquote, fearless leader is because she makes the most, she, she raises the most money. And raising money from rich people and corporations is corruption. That's exactly what it is. We have a corrupt system. So she makes her content for these new freshman uh, congresswomen. She can't stand them because they bring truth to power. They pull the curtain back. That's something that she doesn't like. You know, that's something she doesn't like. I, I want to read this article just to prove her how transparent her disdain is for like all the new freshman uh, Congress uh, people. She had this interview or this, uh, I believe uh, Newsweek published this article. And they, you know, they basically asked her saying, hey, you know, what do you think, you know, can you keep the more progressive wing of your party basically in line? Can you do that? So this is one of her quotes she said right here. She, I'm going to just read off these quotes. When we won this election, it wasn't in districts. This is Nancy Pelosi. When we won this election, it wasn't in districts like mine or Alexandria's. So which, let me stop and pause. What she's saying is Alexandria's district, you know, Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, her district is the Bronx. So she's already saying, hey, there's a lot of, you know, minorities in that district. And, you know, I'm also, my district is super liberal because, you know, Pelosi's district is California, like San Francisco and all that stuff. So, yes, she's right about that on the surface. 
but she's trying to, you know, marginalize uh, AOC's victory. But let me get back to the quote. And she's a wonderful member of Congress. I think all of our colleagues will, will attest. Um, so she said that. But this is, you know, she continues. She says, but those are districts that are solidly Democratic. This glass of water would win with a D next to its name in those districts. She literally picked up the water at her table. And then she goes, not to, and, and, and hold up, this is her, and not to diminish the exuberance and the personality and the rest of Alexandria and the other members, but the 43 districts we won, 43, net gain of 40, were right down the middle. Mainstream, hold the center, victories. Let me pause. There you have it. The Democrats are a corporatist party. They're a Hillary Clinton party. And they want to follow and carry on those same ideals that got its ass handed to them by Donald J. Trump. You see what I'm saying? She's marginalizing the more progressive part of the party to hype and pump up the losing part of the party, which is neoliberalism and corporatism. You just lost. America didn't want your corporatist, handpicked, anointed one. Hillary Clinton, they didn't want her. And you're trying to steer the party and keep it in that same direction? It's like an iceberg. You're driving right toward the iceberg. So what Pelosi wants is to continue on the same Hillary Clinton, same old standard, keep everything the way it is system. She doesn't want the AOCs of the world, the Ilhan Omars of the world, the Rashida... Uh, Talibs of the world to, to, to shift and change the party and swing it to more left, make it again a working class party. The Democratic Party is not, no longer a working class party. It doesn't represent the working class people. Do they take union money still? Yeah, sure they do. Sure they do. But that's not the only money that they take <laughs> at all. So you know, so leading into that, I'm going to segue into what Nancy Pelosi's top contributing industries is for her career, right? So follow the money. This is what everybody should be doing when it comes to politics. If you don't like politics, I understand that. But politics is very important because these elected officials represent, you know, districts all over the country. And you have to know who your representative is bought and paid if if your representative number one is bought and paid for and if if that he or she is bought and paid for then it's your duty to at least do the research on who is buying them in this case it's contributing industries there's top donors there's etc 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 so i'm going to just read off uh pelosi's top five contributing industries like contributions she has gotten throughout her career from you know, numerous different industries. Here's the top five. I'm going to just read them off and then break them down one by one. You have retirees at number one, health professionals, lawyers and law firms, securities and investments, and real estate. So these are the top five contributing industries to Nancy Pelosi campaign throughout her career. So let's break them down real quick, shall we? So let's go jump into it. Retirees, right? Retirees represent I mean, it's very simple. Retirees. So, for example, AARP has almost 40 million members, right? So that bulk of or that crowd of people is where she has gotten, you know, 
a vast majority of her her donations from throughout her career, which isn't bad. It's not terrible. You know, credit to her. She's very popular with the unions. I'm not going to, you know, discredit her with that. That's one, I guess, I don't know, progressive point that she can get on the board. <laughs> but, you know, so she has retirees and it's slightly ahead of health professionals. So this is where it gets interesting. So health professionals represents doctors, pharmacists, anyone in the health industry. She gets a vast majority of her donations from them. So now we start to get more into what her real donor base is. And this is rich, elitist types. So you got health professionals. Then you got lawyers, more rich people, right? She's in Silicon Valley. So, you know, there's a lot of these types of rich uh, individuals that likes to donate to her. So now we go to securities and investments. That's self-explanatory. You're talking about hedge funds. You're talking about uh, a lot of financial backing. So this is right up Chuck Schumer's alley, like I said before, his Wall Street connections. So they're two peas in a pod when it comes to uh, the financial system. So, you know, and in real estate, real estate is, you know, obviously people that are involved in real estate or real estate companies. Again, shifting and shaping the way, you know, they get laws as far as, uh, the market and, and buying homes, you know, whatever. But it gets deep into like, for instance, securities and investments and health professionals. So let's focus on those two things right there. One of the biggest bills that the progressive wing of the party is trying to pass through is Medicare for all. Medicare for all, if you check real polls, is polling about 70 plus percent across the country. It's a very popular idea. It's a very popular standard that the American people want to pass and enact. This is for Democrats and Republicans. This is not a partisan issue. People want Medicare for all. People want a universal health care system, a real one that's not going to keep them broke and potentially bankrupt. This is what the people want. But since Nancy Pelosi's biggest contributing industry, one of its biggest is health professionals or anyone who classifies themselves in that category as a quote-unquote health professional, that's going to conflict with her a little bit because she gets so much money from these health professionals. Um, let's say the money. she I didn't even, I forgot to give you the money. So health professionals, she's gotten $1.6 over $1.6 million over her career from health professionals. So that's going to conflict with her ideal or the ideal in general of passing Medicare for all. Her donors don't want her to, i.e. health professionals. It's very simple. Wall Street reform, punishing the bankers, punishing those who got us into the Great Recession 10 years back, right? Mm, not so interested. Uh, might not be able to do that because I happen to get over almost 1.2 million in my career from securities and investment industries. So if you're getting securities and investment industries, you're getting all that money and that's one of your top five industries, eh, you don't seem certainly too excited about doing anything as far as Wall Street reform or regulating the banks is concerned or hedge funds or anything. You're not so interested because one of your biggest industries is a part of the financial industry. So you get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to you know, get, confuse you guys too much. This is the type of person we're dealing with. This is our quote-unquote leader in the Democratic Party. I say I, 
But I mean, I'm speaking for y'all because I'm not a registered Democrat. But anyway, Pelosi has already stated this is the problem, right? Here's another problem. Way before the Mueller report came out, several weeks ago, she went on live television and said, essentially, she is not pursuing any impeachment of Donald Trump. She already said it before the Mueller report even came out. Even when Cohen went to Congress, his lawyer, his former lawyer, went to Congress and said, yeah, he lied. He told me to lie. This is why I'm going to jail. Oh, and by the way, here's all these checks that he was paying me through the campaign fund, which is clear violation of campaign finance uh, uh, laws. This happened before the Mueller report released. And Nancy said, nope, nope. No, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, we're not going to pursue impeachment. We don't think it's wise to do so. And besides, it's helping us raise a lot of money to fight against him during the general election. That's all she cares about is the money. So I want to read this quote from Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, or Tlaib and it, it, it's, it's, very, it's very fitting for the current times that we're living in right now as far as our government is concerned with this orange clown as our president. She says, I quote, she tweeted this out, doing nothing, she's talking about impeachment. She's saying doing nothing when we are seeing blatant disregard of the United States Constitution to our ethical norms is dangerous. It's not only up to Congress to hold Trump accountable, it's our job to do so. Very well said by Rashida Tlaib. She's saying, in essence, if we don't pursue impeachment of this guy, then it sets precedent for future presidents that they are above the law. And once we get to that stage, then what's the whole point of this bullshit we call democracy? Because that's exactly what it is. Bullshit. When we get to that point where the president is above the law, when he can break, when he can, when he can uh, cause obstruction of justice and break campaign finance laws, and we do nothing about it. We don't, I mean, we don't have a democracy anymore. It's a dictatorship. We don't have a president anymore. We have an emperor. So this is where we are right now. When I tell you one thing about the Republicans that I respect is they are a principled bunch when it comes to winning. Not really their ideals, not really the, you know, because a lot of them are hypocrites. But one thing I can give credit to Republicans and always give credit to Republicans is they stay on message. They're like hyenas. When they see a wounded animal, they attack. They're like sharks. When they see blood, they attack. And they stay on message. Democrats just don't do it. They're almost incapable of doing it. And I assure you, if the shoe was on the other foot and a President Obama administration, and it was found that Obama tried to obstruct justice, Let's not even mention campaign finance laws. Let's just say obstructing justice. That it was found in some sort of report that Obama tried to obstruct justice without a doubt, without a doubt, where the Republicans would have been gearing up within the same day they would have had impeachment proceedings underway. That's how Republicans roll. They fucking impeached Bill Clinton for lying about a blowjob in the Oval Office. They tried to impeach him for that. And we can't impeach a guy who breaks law after law after law after law. We can't impeach this guy? No, that's that's weakness. And that weakness permeates from people like Nancy Pelosi.
The problem really isn't necessarily Trump by himself, singular. The problem, without a doubt, are quote-unquote leaders like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They're the problem for the Democratic Party. Without strong leadership, you can't fight monsters like Donald Trump. And I had to jump into another story. I wasn't going to recover the story at first, but it's such a good story that I thought that I would share it with you guys and shed some light on it. Because a lot of times stories like this aren't really talked about in the media because it doesn't uh, benefit the media and its corporations to share things like this. But I'm going to share it. So the headline is from the New York Times. It says, doctors accused of trading opioid prescriptions for sex and cash. <laughs> yes, you heard right. This sounds like a like a sitcom. This is almost like something like like a, like a some like kind of like an Ozark, but with doctors or something. But anyway, this would be a great sitcom or at least a biography. But anyway, it says uh, I highlighted these things. Uh, bear with me. It says medical professionals across seven states who were charged by federal prosecutors on Wednesday with schemes to illegally distribute millions of pain pills. Opioid prescriptions were exchanged for sex in some cases and for cash with an added concierge fee, quotes, uh, in, in others. One doctor was accused of routinely prescribing opioids to friends on Facebook, even on Facebook. So they're on Messenger probably saying, hey, you know, I need a little bit of this. And the doctor is like, yeah, you know, whatever, hell at me. You know, so <laughs> definitely drug pushing here. Uh, also, it says in the article, pro prosecutors said the doctor in northern Alabama recruited prostitutes and other young women with whom he had sexual relations uh, to become his patients. So the guy sounds like a pimp. So we went from drug pushing to pimping, basically. So that, this is, I guess, one doctor out in uh, northern Alabama. So uh, I'm going to read on. It says the indictments accused 60 people, including 31 doctors, seven pharmacists, and eight nurses of involvement in the schemes, which included prescribing opioids for grandiose medical procedures like unnecessary tooth pulling. And they said in some cases they would just simply just hand out a signed blank prescription form. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just swimming in pills, right? So here, here's the numbers for that, why I said swimming in pills. Uh, here's a quote. These cases involve approximately 350,000 opioid prescriptions and more than 32 million pills, the equivalent of a dose of opioids for every man, woman, and child across the states of Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, and West Virginia combined. This is said by uh, the an assistant attorney general in charge of the you know, Justice Department criminal, criminal Division. So wrap your mind around that. 32 million pills to go across all of those states. And all of those states, by the way, that I listed are the states that were a part of this operation, this sting. So what does this all mean? First and foremost, when I think about this, when I first read it, I thought about Medicare for all, making health care affordable, making drug prices affordable, will definitely eradicate something like this. So don't give me this crap about marijuana. All this fighting about passing marijuana and legalizing it, making it recreational across the country. Don't give me this crap and tell me that that wouldn't help situations like this as well. You can't tell me that. 
but there is a fundamental corrupt system in our healthcare system that has these gaping holes in it, like this, these exploitations of people's um, addictions. This guy's a goddamn, these people involved, these 60 people involved, 31 of which are doctors, they're all drug dealers. These are drug dealers. This is happening all across the country. This has been happening for a long time. This is, this is why the opioid problem in this country is, is the biggest drug problem that we've had in decades, probably. The opioid crisis is real. And this is why we have an opioid crisis, because you got shady doctors that are prescribing drugs to people in, in an abundance, because they're drug pushers, they're drug dealers, they hustlers. And we're focused too much on the, the dude that's on the corner on the block. Well, they don't do that really that much anymore, but we're focusing on a dude, figure of speech, that's posted up on the block, trying to hustle a little bit make a little bit of money so he can pay his bills and feed his family. Instead of focusing on these clowns, a lot of which are doctors, pushing drugs to people. So this kind of correlates and kind of almost, it's almost synergy that in a weird way, it kind of goes back to the whole Nancy Pelosi thing that I was talking about. And what's one of her biggest contributing industries that she's been in, in as an elected official? Health professionals. Guess what? 60 of these people, 31 doctors, 7 pharmacists, and 8 nurses. Guess what they lie under? Health professionals. So it's all, it's just systematic corruption and just something that we need to fix in this country. We have to fix our healthcare system because our healthcare system has so many flaws that it allows doctors and pharmacists to be drug dealers. Because it's easy to do so when you have that kind of power. It's, it's, it's easy to maneuver this way and, and start these types of enterprises on the low. And God knows how long this has been going on. The article didn't really dive into how long this operation has been going on. But it's kind of nuts that this is, you know, and I'm sure there's a ton of other scenarios like this that just haven't been unearthed, haven't been discovered. If Michael Jackson can get profithal or whatever that stuff is, that milky substance that basically doctors use for like epidurals or whatever. If he can get that and brought to his home and shot up in him anytime he wants, yeah, we have a problem. If Prince can get a bunch of prescription drugs in a shady way, because he was getting them in a shady way using a different name and all this other crap, if he can do that, then a lot of this stuff is going on across the country. This is just a small the encapsulation of what our problem is and, and, and what this epidemic is and this opioid crisis that we're going through currently at the moment as a country. It's stuff like this that's the real danger that we have to focus on. And changing our laws, ridding it of these types of holes, these types of flaws will definitely help us in the long run. It just will. But I just think it's nuts that in almost like a breaking bag kind of way, we had doctors <laughs> trading opioid prescription drugs for sex and cash. What kind of crap is this? This sounds like a TV show. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out anytime soon on a Hulu, Amazon, or Netflix. Hopefully some justice will be done and served. Hopefully they get some real time. Throw the book at these doctors 
and pharmacists like you would for a guy selling weed on the street. You try to throw the book at guys like that for possession of marijuana. So this is opioid drugs. This is dope, essentially. So you should throw the fucking book down on them just like you would a minority on the street. So I'll, I'll be definitely keeping my eyes on this to hear any other developments. And definitely, without a doubt, share with you, my kind people of the Voice Junkie community. So that's it. That's this week's episode of the Voice Junkie Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you can help out per month, that would be great. Hit the link down below. That'll help out the platform, help it grow, get better, get better equipment, get better sound. Hey, it's always a good experience if this sounds better for you as you're consuming it, wherever you're consuming it. It means a lot to me to make you guys happy. So anyway, support in that way or just support by sharing the podcast episodes every time they get uploaded on your platform of choice. It helps out. Thanks a lot for listening again. Until next time, peace.